Today we are in Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Luke, <laughs> Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And I was just checking and reviewing exactly uh, what I wanted to say. And I decided to go for the lesson today just for the with the uh, first nine verses. Uh, chapter 13, verse 1 to 9. That's basically what we are going to be um, exploring. So, when I was little, I don't know if this was your case, but I'm going to tell you a little story about some traditional approach of some specific things that we have in Latin America. Okay, so when I was little, one of the uh, key phrases that my grandma, my mom, my uncles, my aunts, everybody, every single adult in my family used to tell me if I was not behaving properly, okay? So they used to say something like this. Hey, Carlos, you need to behave. If you do not behave, God is going to punish you. So, okay, fine. I don't know how positive or good it is to say this to a four-year-old. Uh, and then to repeat it again when you are eight, and then again when you're a teenager, and then again when you're an adult. So you basically, um, you're growing up with this idea that you have to do everything correctly every single time. Because if you don't do it, something bad is going to happen. And not only that, but that something bad was going to come from God. So then the connection we made, okay, in, in our early days, the connection we made was, okay, if something bad is happening, then I must be doing something wrong. And God is trying to discipline me or he's trying to teach me something because I made a mistake. So I grew up with that idea in mind and my cousins, my friends, everybody, everybody, because in every single house, people were like, if you do not behave, God is going to punish you. So I thought that that idea was our idea only in Latin American countries, or probably in Honduras only. However, after reading my Bible and studying the Bible and seeing the stuff in, in the historical context and the original languages, I, I realized that for many, many years, centuries, Israel was telling kind of like the same idea to their kids and from one generation to another. Listen, if we do God's will, he's going to be happy. He's going to bless us. But if we don't do God's will, he's going to punish us and something bad is going to happen. And they, they went a little bit more deeper into this idea because then they started making connections with sickness and poverty and all these things. Like if you didn't have enough resources or if someone who was providing uh, financially like everything to you passed away, then it's because you were not doing something, you were not doing something correctly. Or if you're sick, it's because you did something, your parents did something or your grandparents did something. So in one point of your story, Someone did something that now you are dealing with those consequences. And this, brothers and sisters, it's in the Bible. We can see it in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Why do I think that this text today brings more liberation than just 
guilt or shame? Well, number one, because these are the words of Jesus. And his message was always about liberating people, about bringing freedom to everybody. But I think that the story for today, it's powerful not only for that liberation, but also it's a big, big, big point for us in our country and in our world today. And that's why I'm super excited. So I'm going to read it. Chapter 13, uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, verse 1 to 9. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Salem fell on them? Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I'll tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in the garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to the gardener, I've been waiting three years and there hasn't been any single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Live it another year. And I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get fixed next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Well, people tend to see this as a separate story, like two different stories, or probably three different stories. But it is connected. It's deeply connected. The idea, the illustration that we see um, about the fig tree with the story of two specific events related to repentance from verse 1 to 5, they're connected. They're connected. And to understand the second one, you need to go deeper into the first one. And to understand the first one, you need to go deeper into the second one. So, this is the way I'm going to put it this morning. What are we facing in this specific part, like from verse 1 to 9. This is Jesus now trying to correct a mindset. So for many, and this probably will disappoint uh, many people nowadays, but this text, to be more specific, from verse 1 to verse 5, this text is not talking about repentance to avoid going to hell. This is not talking about eternal condemnation. In the context of the verse, there is something deeper about repentance that I want to explore with all of us, with all of you, this morning. So again, let me just repeat this. The context of this text is not about eternal condemnation in hell. Jesus here is not saying, if you do not repent, you're going to go to hell. So you have to repent. No. In fact, if you notice, he is already talking to religious people. He is not talking to those who do not believe. He's calling to repentance those who apparently believe in God. And this will be super important to understand 
for a point I want to make uh, in a couple of minutes. So, Jesus is trying to change the mindset. What, what mindset? This idea that if something bad happened to you, it's because you did something wrong. But more than that, this is the connection they created in the first century. Not only like that God was punishing you, but also they, they were assigning labels to people. Oh, okay, that person is sick. Yeah, God is doing something because they did something wrong. Uh, oh, that person, you know, that accident, that thing that happened, oh, they deserve it because, you know, they did something wrong and God was punishing them. But they were also assigning these labels. To be more specific, if something like a tragedy comes to your life, it's because you were a sinner. So tragedy, pain, and suffering were basically the signs of someone living in sin. So if you were a sinner, bad things will happen to you. So Jesus is trying to change the mindset. And look at this. Trying to change the mindset. What is that? That's the, 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 the Greek word for repentance. Changing your mind. Changing your mind. Brothers and sisters, repentance is not a one-time event you do in order for you to avoid hell and to go to heaven. Repentance in this context, it's more like a spiritual discipline that even those who believe in God need to practice and apply to their daily actions. Changing your mind, it's part of the process of growing in Christ. It's not about like, oh, you need to repent and then you're going to be saved and then your sins are going to be forgiven and that's it. Repentance and the whole New Testament, it's about changing and improving and going into this deeper idea of Christ's mind. But in order for us to go from our own, our own understanding of what Jesus wants, we need to go through a process of repentance. Repentance is a process. It's a spiritual discipline. More than that, Jesus said, okay, I have two questions for you. Number one, these people were murdered. They were offering sacrifices at the temple. Roman authorities didn't like that. And even though we don't have like a specific, like very specific uh, um, mention in secular history about this event, we know how Pilate was regarding to this stuff. He didn't like that. He didn't like people getting together in big groups, even if they were offering worship, because he thought that they were going to attack or do something or bring rebellion, and he was trying to avoid that. So even if people went to a temple with good intentions just to worship the Lord, he was like, you know what, I'm not going to uh, have a risk on this. I'm not going to take it. Kill them. That's exactly what happened. So for many, when they died, they thought, oh, look, they are dead now because they were sinners. They were not sincere worshipers. They were sinners. That's why they're dead. And then Jesus is pointing to an accident. Oh, what happened with those in the tower? I mean, probably the tower like fell completely and then it was just a massive accident. And then they were like, oh, if it was an accident, it's God's doing something because they were sinners too. 
18 people, in fact. And Jesus said, no. You need to stop thinking about the spiritual conditions of others and start reflecting on your own spirit. And I believe that's the first part of the message for all of us. We need to stop with this tendency that we determine basically who is right and who is wrong. Christianity is not about being the detectives or the police of the moral life of other people, trying to determine if they're doing good or bad. It's about the understanding of your own life to kill your ego and bring the real repentance so you can be more like Jesus. You can be more like God. Because the more we repent, the more we have the ability to see what God is doing. That's why repentance is just super important in the process of transformation. And it's a daily process. If we do not repent, that means that our mindset will be the same one, even if we follow Jesus. Even if we come to church. Even if we practice some rituals or practice some disciplines. But if we don't embrace the idea of repenting, that means changing our mindset to be more like God, we can do everything right and correct in the outside, but our minds will be corrupted and they will have the inclination to think based on our ego and not the Holy Spirit. Our work, our job, it's not about telling people what is wrong in their life. Our job is to tell people there is grace for you, there is forgiveness for you as we evaluate our own life. And that's completely different. Real evangelism is not about proclaiming and proclaiming, but evaluating and then proclaiming. Going deeper into your own life. Because if you don't do that, then you think you're better than those who are sinners in the world. Oh, I have Jesus now. I have been baptized. I have salvation now. I feel so bad that you all are going to go to heaven, uh, to hell. Oh, this is just, no, 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 no. I feel so bad. I wish that you get to know Jesus so you can be saved the same way I am. That is not the gospel. That is not exactly, that, that is not what, what Jesus wanted for us to understand. We cannot be putting labels on people. Or saying they're like this, they're like that. That's not a job. Now, one thing is really interesting here. Repentance is not about changing our mind so we can continue transforming into the image of God. Repentance is not only about understanding that we're sinners and that we need the forgiveness of God so we can have eternal life. But also repentance is a process that will bring Wisdom to live according to God's peace. So let me explain this to, to you. What is Jesus trying to say here? Because he says, if you do not repent, you will face the same consequences. If you do not repent, and he's comparing this situation with those who were worshiping at the temple, with those who had that accident, Two, okay? But the thing at the temple 
and the accident, because of this context, probably both of those two events were created or were basically um, pushed by the empire, by the Roman Empire. And, and what does Jesus like truly mean when he says, change your mind and stop doing what you're doing because if you don't do it, you're going to face the same consequence. Please note something powerful in this verse. Jesus is not attacking Pilate. He's not attacking the empire. Even though they were the ones being unfair to the people, he did not say a word about Pilate or the empire. Not at all. He's trying to convince his own people to change. Why? Because in this context, people thought that they could have enough wisdom to fight against the empire in the name of God. That means we can do this for God. We know better than God. We are going to fight in the name of the Lord. Because our Lord, our God, needs to be defended and, and our, the name of the Lord needs to be proclaimed and we're going to fight even if we have to die. And Jesus is telling them, no, if you do that, you are going to die, yes. But that's not exactly what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that peace can change the world. Peace can transform the reality. Peace is my kingdom, not violence. Not violence. Not hating those who are persecuting you. Not declaring this word, that word from those who are opposing to you. No. No. Jesus said, this violent message is not working. And if you continue doing it, you're going to die. That's why you need to repent. This is another level of repentance. Getting wisdom so we can act and we can do things based on the peace of the Lord that is deeper than human understanding. God does not need us to defend himself. Like, we don't have to defend God. Our, our, our work in the world is not about proclaiming and saying, I am going to do this for the Lord because this is my faith. God is calling us for peace, reconciliation, Real repentance, real repentance, it's about getting the wisdom to behave according to the Holy Spirit, even if the world around us is a mess. Understanding these little details, it's powerful for the second part of the story. The story of a fig tree in the garden, not given any fruit. It's referring probably directly to Israel. Some people think that Jesus was given them the opportunity to repent during his ministry. Three years. Some people think that Jesus in fact is the gardener talking to God. In fact it doesn't matter what approach we choose. The message is still the same. God was disappointed at his people because they were concentrating his attention in all the stuff of the world, and they were not bearing fruit. And when God was coming to look for the fruit, it was nothing. It was nothing. Because even though they were like 
trying to do God's will, having it like right all the time, knowing the law, knowing all the procedures and the stuff that they needed to do at the temple, knowing the word from the prophets and from the wisdom that they received. I mean, they knew everything. But knowledge and the information they had was inconsistent with the behavior they were proclaiming. And more than that, the behavior, their actions, they were not purely immoral actions or bad things. The problem was in their hearts, thinking that they knew better than God. And that's why every single time God was coming to see or to look for fruit, it was nothing. They were just having space in the garden, but not fruit. So the message today for us is to, to think about this and to respond to a couple of questions. Number one, what is God doing now? Now during the pandemic, now during the crisis of, crisis of the world, what, what is God doing? Can you see it? Because, because sometimes it's so hard to see what God is doing. It's so hard to see what God is just trying to accomplish. Because the actions and our behavior in the name of God is always in front of us. And sometimes we're doing too much for God. And we're saying, no, I'm doing this for the Lord because I, I love the Lord and the Lord is this and the Lord is that. But it's time for us to repent and think and say, wait, what do you want me to do? What are you doing that I cannot see? Because sometimes I pretend to be doing things on, <laughs> on your name, but probably that's not exactly what you want. God, what do you want from me? What is God up to in our world today? He wants you to participate. And He's coming every day to see if there is fruit in you, fruit in me. What is He receiving? Because sometimes we tend to mix our own ideas, our own understanding, and thinking that something, just because something may look right, then we think it's God's will. And probably he's calling us for something deeper. Deeper. Are we bearing God's fruit? Are we bearing the fruit he wants for us to have for his kingdom? The call for us as the church is not about going back to normal. Normal doesn't exist anymore. It's not about going back to what we had before. It's about embracing this new powerful reality where God is giving us the chance to transform the world through repentance, peace, and bearing fruit. What are you going to do? Are you going to feel stuck in your own ideas and your own mindset? Or you're going to think, oh, wait. I need to continue changing. 
I don't know what's going to happen with me in five, six, seven years. But I know that if the Holy Spirit is leading me in this process of changing, I will be fine. I will be better. Even if I had to quit to some of my main ideas, thinking that they were biblical, but probably they were not. But God is calling you for something deeper. And it's time for us to reflect on this and think and say, Hey, God. You can come to me. There is fruit here. There is fruit for your kingdom. And I'm ready to continue communicating this peace that the world is not going to understand, but, but can truly bring transformation to all of us.